Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We all have a story to tell. Hello and welcome to another edition of Between the Lines with Virtual Academy. We're a podcast where we go beyond the badge to allow members of law enforcement, public safety, and first response a place to tell their stories, talk about the cases that have impacted their lives. Glad to have you guys along. I am your co-host, Brent Henson, and the focus of this episode really kind of stems from a conversation I had a few weeks ago with today's guest about a community program his department offers each year. And he's going to talk to us about what the program entails, who participates, and more importantly, how they can expand their reach. But before we bring him in, allow me to introduce our host, a man who has read so many books, his mailing address may very well be the public library. He is Mr. (laughs) Michael Warren. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. And, and, you know, Brent, uh, I have to say that this is one of my favorite times of the year. What's that? And, and the reason why? March Madness. Oh. I, 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 college basketball kicks into high gear. I mean, it, I, I think it's a fantastic time. Although I do find it weird that they call it madness because that seems to be just about every time of the year now. Yeah, that's true. With the topic that we're going to have today, uh, unfortunately, a lot of that madness uh, could be used to describe the relationship between law enforcement and the communities they serve. And, and I think that what, what, what our topic's about today, I think is a great tool for going and combating that. And so why, why don't you go ahead and bring our guest on and uh, let's get to talking about it. Sure. Our guest today started his career in law enforcement at the Martin, Tennessee Police Department in 2001 and he currently serves there as the Assistant Chief of Police. He holds a Master of Science degree in Criminal Justice from Bethel University, and like his colleague, Captain James Hatler, who was a guest in episode 30, is a graduate of the FBI National Academy, attending the 271st session of the Academy in Quantico, Virginia, back in 2018. It's our pleasure to welcome in Philip Fuqua to the podcast. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great here today, and I appreciate the invite. Well, thanks for coming on. Hey, Chief, it, uh, we appreciate you being here today, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that, that Brent, I, I think, is really uh, interested in. But but before we get there, uh, let's talk briefly, if we could, about uh, how you got into law enforcement. How, how did you come across this career? Well, uh, that's a bit of an interesting story uh, because um, I spent the early part of my childhood and adulthood uh, working in the farming industry and um, uh, did different stints here and there as a uh, an operator, equipment operator and uh, truck driver, and whatever else needs to be done and uh, got married. Uh, started a family, um, reached the age of 29, and one day was literally outstanding in my field and uh, got to thinking about my lack of uh, preparation as far as retirement benefits and so on and so forth. Uh, So uh, uh, for lack of a better term, I decided I'd better go to town to get a job and uh, had a couple of friends and former classmates uh, from high school that worked at Martin Police Department and uh, knew that uh, they had a good benefits package. And so I just jumped off the uh, cliff, so to speak, and uh, I got uh, got hired on and I told my wife I was going to give it two years and I'm... Um, 22 years later, 
I'm still here. Yes. Yeah, so so we, we found a good fit for you then. I, I did. I did. Um, I was a little hesitant in the beginning about uh, policing in my hometown, uh, but soon found out after I started working that uh, there were more positives to that uh, than it was negatives. And uh, I really, really have enjoyed uh, policing in my hometown. Well, policing in your hometown, did you have you ever run into a situation where it's got a little awkward because you've known the people? Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that that happens uh, fairly common, but um, does that mess up your relationship at all? Or no, I, I think that's kind of up to you uh, to a certain degree about how you choose to handle that situation. And uh, fortunately, I, I, I think I have a personality where and the thought process where you know I, I I want to try to make the situation better, no matter what it is. And so I've kind of learned early on. Uh, how to use those relationships to uh, soften some of those tough situations. And, and a lot of times uh, you can use a little discretion, you know, if, if the situation warrants it. You know, you can make behavior corrections and so on and so forth without, uh, uh, you know, just slapping everybody in cuffs and so on and so forth, if, if the variables allow that. Now, now, Chief, I'm sure this doesn't apply to you. Okay, Uh, but I would imagine that somebody that polices in their hometown, that if maybe before they became a police officer, maybe they did some stupid things that the awkwardness might come from encountering someone that they used to do the stupid things with. And and you showing up in uniform the first time has to be kind of a a double take for them, you know, like, like, like they're on candid camera or something. I would suspect so. And uh, fortunately, uh, you know, with uh, background checks and, and <laughs> tools like that, uh, we try to do our best to eliminate those situations uh, before they happen. But I, I don't know. I think uh, as long as you, you have a level of trust built with uh, the people you're familiar with, and then when you move into this career and uh, you become you know, more familiar with people you weren't uh, associated with uh, prior. I, I think that just continues. It's you, you just have to build that relationship uh, with people and uh, earn their respect and uh, spend some time with them. You know, uh, you know, try to remember to listen as much as you uh, tell people uh, what they need to do or give them suggestions. But uh, it's one of those things. It's it's no matter where you're at, no matter where you do this, it's it's all about your attitude and. And, and uh, you know, having the positive things and in, in, in mind, and uh, you know, your general hope being to help the situation rather than to make it worse. Uh, going back to a previous episode with uh, Director Roush from the uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, uh, there was one thing he said in there. He goes, "We we need to remember that police work should be conducted with a whole lot of grace." You know that that recognition, that discretion, that 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 ability to adapt and see beyond the the immediate reason why we're there and see people as people and perhaps uh hey you know we got called but this doesn't necessarily mean we're dealing with a criminal or a bad person that that's correct uh you know 
everybody has the ability to make mistakes and you just have to handle situations uh, with that in mind. And I try to think about it as uh, coming from the perspective of, you know, if I'm dealing with a young person who's having some issues or whatever, uh, you know, I've had issues like that in my own family, uh, you know, distant and and close. And you just have to remember that, uh, you know, this encounter could change the rest of their life, uh, either in a positive or a negative way. And a lot of that's up to the officer. Absolutely it is. And and since you brought it up, we might as well go ahead and talk about this. Uh, You mentioned the the benefit package that came along with a job with a police department. For a lot of people, that was one of the big draws. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the only draw, but right now our profession is going through this hiring crisis. You know, so many agencies are operating below strength and some are operating significantly below strength. And unfortunately, after the economic downturn in 2007, 2008, that time period, there were a lot of agencies that did away with pension plans for new hires. And they did away with medical benefits and retirement for new hires. So with the climate the way that it is right now, without that, I think it makes it a little bit harder to attract people into the profession. I wish the public had a better understanding of that that law enforcement, those in this profession, are often willing to forego short-term prosperity for long-term security. And if you take away the long-term security, then there's a disincentive to get into this profession in many ways. Well, I agree. And and uh, at this point in time, uh, you know, the most uh, detrimental thing we can do is reduce some of the benefits of uh, joining the police force. Um, you know, we're just going to have to look uh, and we're doing that here at Martin Police Department. We're just trying to look at more innovative ways to uh, to do those things and, uh, you know, attract people to a profession that uh, uh, that's become difficult to do. We have to make it as attractive as possible for those who may be interested, but we, like you, you, you alluded to the background investigation, but we have to be sure that we're not lowering our standards to fill those spots. Uh, that's correct. I, I think, uh, in my opinion, I, I think we need to focus more on, you know, increasing the uh, community partner aspect and, you know, giving people a, a career versus a job, something that they can actually make a difference in their own community or a community that they've chosen to uh, become a part of. I think that people that not only come into this job, but perform extremely well in this job are those that come in here for for something that is meaningful for a deeper deeper purpose in what they do oh absolutely um if somebody doesn't uh, have the ability or the desire to make wherever they're working better than what it is they're they're already on an uphill climb in this career uh, because it, that affects everything and one of the things that uh, we're trying to incorporate into some of our field training programs and in our hiring processes when we're interviewing people is um you know, to catch on to people that have the traits of, you know, caring, the ability to listen, 
Um, you know, used to we concentrated solely on somebody that had the ability to make a split set de- second decision, but uh, I think we've discovered it's just as important for those folks to have a genuine conversation with somebody, understand what the variables are in the situation, and uh, make a solid, common sense oriented decision about uh, either what to do or what to tell those people, and uh, just to be more helpful. Uh, you know, you, you can't always fix everything, uh, but you can direct somebody to a, to another agency, to a partner uh, uh, that works with us or some kind of service that would help them instead of just uh, telling them, you know, that's not our job or that's not what we do here. I have a good friend uh, and he says, you know, we need to be looking for ways to say yes instead of constantly looking for the ways to say say no or to be able to say that's not my job if we change that that perspective we're more likely to be able to do what you said and help those that we come in contact with absolutely and and that's that's kind of what uh, we've always uh, tried to teach here but i think we're we're really uh, emphasizing more on that in uh, our training uh, both uh, internal training and offsite training that we're exposing our folks to now uh, they, they just have to be uh, more well-rounded in the in uh, you know caring, listening, uh, providing information. You know, it could be just a telephone number to a uh, one of our partners. You know, at a, at a different agency. Uh, you know, instead of uh, just telling them, you know, call so and so. You know, at, at least you know make the call with them, make the call for them, uh, write the number down, uh, give them a contact at that other agency or something uh, that you have confidence in. You know. Uh, just it can be small things all the way up to, you know, some some pretty heavy stuff. What we say small things and it may be small to us, but oftentimes when we take that little bit of extra effort, that's something huge for the person that we're dealing with. Yes, sir. Uh, had an example of that in our uh a recruitment plan uh, recently had a uh, young man come into our lobby, was interested in applying for a job here. Um, you know, we're guilty of this in the past. You know, a lot of times we just slid that guy a uh, written application, fill this out, carry it to HR, you know, bring it back by, whatever. Uh, but we're trying to move forward in some different uh, techniques with that. And uh, in this particular instance, one of our employees contacted an officer that was in the building. He came up to the lobby, spent about 40 minutes with this fella, talking to him, answering questions, listening to his questions, gave him a tour of the building and, uh, you know, showed him inside of one of our cars and uh, just, you know, spent an hour with this fella. And, um, uh, during that time, just so happened, they walked by the break room and the officer told him, he said, you know, um, there's a bit of a mess in here. He said, that's not the normal. He said, I apologize. I was eating, you know, when you came in, uh, requiring and inquiring about the application. And so later on this, uh, we, we hired this fellow and, uh, i uh, always intrigued about how people hear about us, you know, why they chose us, so on and so forth. So when we were doing some of his pre-employment paperwork, I asked him some of those questions. He's not from here. He's from another town. And I said, you know, just out of curiosity, you know, why didn't you apply in your town? And he said, well, I did. I went. Same scenario that I did here. Uh, they slid me a you know, hard copy application and told me to fill it out. 
and nobody spoke to me. Nobody spent any mm. time with me. He said, I came here, had the interaction. He said, discovered the officer that gave me the tour and spent the time with me was actually uh, stopped eating his supper to do so. And he said, that's the kind of people I want to work with. And that's the kind of place I want to work at, you know, made all the difference in the world. Maybe we ought to start treating the recruitment process like they treat the recruitment process in college athletics. Like, uh, hey, we can't wait to have you here instead of us acting like we're doing them a favor by giving them an application to fill out. that's absolutely what uh, uh, we're trying to transition to, and, and it, uh, at least with this one officer, it's been successful, but uh, that's what we're transitioning to because we've discovered, you know, we've taken all these classes to learn about, you know, working in the uh, multi-generational workforces and so on and so forth, and, and you know, we, we all have a clear understanding that these are the things that's important to the new uh, applicants out there, and it's just going to be a question about who takes the time to change and who doesn't. You know, that guy that, that you just hired, uh, the advertisement that he's going to do in his part of the community is greater than any value you're going to get from throwing your your job opening up on a billboard or or I would say running an ad in the newspaper. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. But anywhere you post jobs nowadays, that mouth uh, that he's going to be for the organization is what is going to get others to come in to apply. Sure, and and you know, and and uh, to look at it from a different angle, um, that showed me. Um, how important those kind of actions and that kind of reception was to the applicant, which, you know, leads me to believe he's the type of person that would turn around and do that later on to a different applicant. Yep. And uh, that's the guy I'm looking for. I think and I hope that there are some folks listening at uh, different agencies that just had the light bulb moment go off and say, hey, maybe we should start implementing something like this or doing more of this type of thing. Uh, they're going to have to, or we're all, you know, they're going to continue to be shorthanded. I'm afraid. Isn't it ironic that that if you try to sell your house, if somebody shows up to take a look at your house, you clean the house good, and, and you get everything looking perfect, and you show them around, you you're as nice as you can be. You know, they talk about, hey, when you're going to show your house, make sure you bake some cookies and have that scent in there. And we'll do that when we're trying to sell the house, but we won't do it when we're trying to sell our organization. And, and, you know, the, sure. the applicants, the buyer, and we need more buyers right now. Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, the industry as a whole has, has always been guilty of that. And, you know, in my opinion, and, um, you know, it's, it's another one of those things, you know, you're, it's just like anything. It's like technology, you know, you're either going to grasp that new concept and move forward or, you're going to find yourself, you know, way behind and you're going to be either low of quantity of people or you're going to be low of quality. One of the one of the two or possibly both. And that's 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 where a lot of agencies stand right now is a combination of both of that. And, and so it, I, I think that begins to really highlight, at least in my eyes, the importance of the relationship between an agency and their community. And I think one of the things that we often forget about that relationship is guess who your applicant pool is? It's your community. Sure. And if we have a poor relationship, we're going to further prevent people from coming in to work for our agencies. 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's just uh, common sense would tell you. It's just sometimes we have a little trouble, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and, uh, you know, reflecting on things uh, from time to time, both as human beings, but especially in this industry. But one of the things that, uh, you know, for sure, being more reclusive and having less personal encounters with uh, the folks in your community is absolutely going to just uh, let this atmosphere of dislike between um, communities and police just grow and grow and grow. The only way you're going to correct that is, uh, you know, one, uh, to act right and do the right things and make good decisions. Uh, but the other one is, is to uh, encounter people and spend time with people to let them know that's how you are, that you take a stand, that you want to be involved in the community. You want to listen to their problems. You want to find common sense solutions and that you don't mean, you don't mind spending time with them. It, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's interesting to me how I think a lot of officers lose sight of the fact that they, they are members of two communities. They're, they're a member of the law enforcement community, but they're also a member of the community that's being served. And, and when they forget that second part right there, I, I think it's almost like you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Uh, sure. Um, you know, and uh, especially in a town uh, the, uh, the size of Martin, you know, we're, we're a static population of about 10,500. Um, you know, everybody knows everybody. I tell uh, when I was in field training, I used to tell all the guys that came in, I said, listen, you've got about 30 days. Uh, these first 30 days is the impression that you're going to leave with the town folks in the community about who you are and what you stand for. Uh, if you send the wrong message those first 30 days, you will spend the rest of your career trying to refute that. So, you know, keep that in mind because two weeks in, you know, everybody at the coffee shop, they're going to be discussing the new guy that works at the police department. You know, what, what kind of fella is he? What kind of gal is she? And, uh, hey, first impressions are a big deal. Man, re reputations are a hard thing to live down, aren't they? They sure are. So, so one of the things that the Martin Police Department does uh, to try and strengthen the bonds with the community uh, is a citizen's police academy. And, and so I guess the first question would be, why is this such an important program for your agency? Uh, it does just exactly some of the things we've already been discussing. Um, it provides a moment in time for the folks in the community to actually engage and spend time, and not just time, but quality time, uh, with the uh, the men and women that work here at the Mark Police Department. And, and it gives them a little bit of an insider look and, uh, you know, uh, when when you encounter somebody at the store or, uh, you know, out on the job, it, it's a brief few moments and anybody can kind of act like, you know, whatever they need to for a few moments. But if you spend a lengthy amount of time, like uh, our uh, citizens do that, uh, that join this academy with us, everybody's true personality and uh, how they handle the job comes out. 
And uh, of course, you know, we hope that uh, those are good impressions, but uh, this provides a platform um, for encounters that aren't on somebody's worst day. You know, they, they've, you know, something has happened, something's been stolen from them, something's been damaged. Uh, they've had some kind of negative encounter with another person, you know, outside of those uh, situations uh, where the focus is on the crime that's been committed or, you know, whatever. You know, it provides, uh, you know, a two way conversation, for lack of a better term. It w- would it be accurate to describe it that you, you're providing a formal framework where informal interaction can take place? There's formal interaction there. I mean, there's a curriculum that they're going over. Oh, absolutely. You know, we, we have a schedule, there's a schedule of events. Um, we have a program uh, put in play that uh, there's pieces of it that go from the first night to the to the end, uh, you know, all of that is, you know, scripted to some degree. Uh, you know, we use some PowerPoint presentations and hands-on activities, so on and so forth. But where this really comes into play is uh, just like at the beginning of every session, every every Thursday night, we have them on Thursday nights, the classes. And um, we have a, a group of alumni that uh, work with us and we provide them supper. Uh, you know, classes start at six. A lot of times people don't have time to eat. But, you know, the real purpose of that is no nothing comforts people like food. So we're all sitting in here, you know, in the classroom. Uh, the formal setting hasn't started yet. We're, you know, we're eating some sandwiches and we're just discussing things and just spending some quality time with each other. You know, I, I do a lot of training and it's been my experience uh, that some of the most meaningful parts of a training day or break time. Sure. Because that's when that informal interaction and and that's where you get to see Mike rather than that, than Michael Warren. And and it's a small change. It's a small difference, but it's a significant difference for the person you're interacting with. Absolutely. And uh, I tell you where another big piece of that comes from with us uh, during this program is that uh, each one of our students is uh, offered the opportunity uh, to do two four-hour ride-alongs with an officer uh, during the course of the 10-week program. Well, you know, a four-hour stretch riding around in a vehicle, there's nothing that's scripted. Nobody's got a PowerPoint out. You know, that you know nothing is uh, uh, stiff. And so they're just, uh, you know, if they're not going to a call or at a call, uh, they're, they're just riding around in a car talking and spending time with each other and talking about, you know, what their family situation is and how many kids they got. And so, you know, what do they do? You know, what's the civilian uh, person do for a living? And, you know, just a back and forth, uh, just a share time. You mentioned that this is a a 10 week course. This isn't just like uh, a one or two time thing. This is an intensive program what are the types of things that you go over each week or what's involved in it? Yeah. Uh, we do a 10 week program. Uh, normally we do it on a Thursday night. We, we have done it on a Tuesday in the past. We kind of switched that around so that people with different work schedules, uh, might be able to get involved. But, um, you know, it starts out, uh, it's a, it's a three hour course every Thursday. Uh, most of the classes are divided into two topics per night. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of exceptions, but like the first week, uh, we just give a breakdown. Uh, the command staff does some presentations. We talk about some things, you know, even people that's lived here, they haven't, you know, they may not be aware of some statistical information, you know, um, 
about different things, how the department is structured, how it's divided, how the town is uh, put into uh, zones of patrol, so on and so forth. And then we give them a tour of the facility, have a supper, you know, that sort of stuff. Then we have a, a night where uh, we split the night between, uh, um, I have a group of school resource officers here. Uh, we have four schools in, in Martin City Limits, so we have four school resource officers. Uh, they do a presentation about uh, what they do at each school. Uh, the differences, I think people haven't really put a lot of thought into the differences from being a school resource officer at a at our primary school, which is uh, K through two versus the high school. They both have a lot of stuff to do, but they're absolutely different task. So they share uh, about an hour, an hour and a half about that. And um, then uh, we do a uh, program where we do an active threat response program that night. One piece of that is obviously to give people information in case they ever in that situation. But the other one is uh, this is a very similar program to what we teach uh, in our county school system. Uh, this is a similar program that we offer uh, to uh, businesses and organizations uh, within the city. Um, we have that program here. Can, can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think that's, in, and I don't know if it's uh, intentional or not, but I think it's incredibly insightful to, to be leading off the, the meat of the program with those topics. Because if you want to get buy-in from the community, let them know we're doing our best to keep your kids safe. Yeah. And, and delivering that message up front, hey, this is what we train our people to do. This is what we're willing to do because we love your kids. And we're here to make sure that they go home after each and every school day. I think that is fantastic. You know, we're it's one of those things. We're proud of uh, the, some of the programs we have in place in regards to, to that kind of stuff. And uh, there's a world of people that don't know uh, some of the details to, you know, to the extent that we've gone. And uh, uh, that's not all Martin Police Department. That's, you know, our county sheriff's department, our school board, and so on and so forth. But we want them to understand that uh, we, we all work together and uh, have, you know, nobody created this on their own. You know, uh, it was different snippets from different agencies. And then we put it all together and we all have that same goal and uh, we make it work. I think one of the reasons why uh, I wanted to have you on was the conversation that we had stems around uh, a question that we'll start with is what what's the demographic of the folks that take this uh, that are involved in this program? Uh, I'm, I guess it's uh, more or less uh, a diversity thing. Are you getting uh, mostly men? Are there women? What you know, racial makeup? What's it like? Uh, we we try to work at um, you know because there's some recruitment involved. It's a it's a big commitment. You know, uh, ten Thursday nights. You know, especially if you have. Uh, Children, you know, that are uh, of the age to be involved in sports or school activities or band or, you know, whatever. It's, it's a big commitment. So there is a recruiting piece to it. And uh, but I, I t it works out pretty good most of the time. Uh, I don't really know how, but I'm proud it does. Uh, but we end up with, um, you know, People that, uh, you know, I, I know are, you know, on the wealthy end of the scale here uh, that are not um, just across the board on professions. Um, you know, we have a university in the town, uh, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, a university professor and then somewhere, you know, sitting next to them or across the room, you know, we'll have a local plumber or an electrician. 
somebody that, uh, you know, does custodial work. I mean, it, that that's what we want. Uh, we want uh, uh, just a completely diverse thing, both, you know, from ethnicity standpoint and uh, what their profession is, um, you know, because they have different questions. I would think that uh, another piece of diversity w- w- that, that we would probably want are I don't want it to all be people who are already fans of the Martin Police Department. I I I I I want some people that maybe have some questions uh, about whether or not you have my best interest as a citizen in mind. Uh, that's my favorite pupil. Um, I try every time to recruit. You know, throughout the year, I work with several different other organizations doing different things. Um, you know, and uh, our goals may be different. Uh, I want those people. I don't want them to all be buddies already because I don't know that I'm accomplishing a great deal. Uh, at that, uh, probably, you know, maybe enhancing yeah, preaching to the choir at that point. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, that's what we want uh, that I'll be honest, that doesn't always work out. Uh, but that's one of our goals is to create uh, th- that situation. Well, well so, so let me ask you this, then, if your goal is to have the interactions with that group of people, because because, listen, I, I serve the entire community. It's not parts and pieces of the community. I service the entire community. What does the Martin Police Department, what is it that you do to say, hey, listen, you know what? You don't have to come to my house for us to have these conversations. Are there any things that you do beyond the Citizens Police Academy where you go to their turf, for lack of a better term? Sure. And, and you know, it, it does. It accomplishes lots of things. Um, you know, uh, there's a piece of it. We do some activities that uh, simply uh, gives people a little insight to how important it is to be a good witness. Witness information is often skewed because of excitement or emotions or whatever. And uh, we we have a piece built into this. It's kind of a surprise piece, so I'm not really going to get into the details of that. But uh, (laughs) don't want to give away any trade secrets. That's right. That's right. Um, But we have an activity. that is about that, you know, uh, something exciting happens. What did you notice? What did you see? Can you describe this? Can you describe that? And then the other piece of that is, you know, if you witness something, this is why we need you to tell us, uh, this is why we need you to stop, be a witness, uh, you know, and, and how important those roles are to helping us help the community. Have you, as a member of the department or members of your department, have you gone to any meetings uh, from these groups that maybe question the the validity of your agency and say, hey, here I am. What questions can I answer that going out to them to answer their questions rather than having them come to you for those answers? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, I've I've met uh, small groups in local coffee shops, you know, for an informal talk. Uh, I've, you know, we've, we've done uh, some uh, town hall type meetings and, you know, we've, we've gone, uh, but that's kind of part of my plan. It doesn't always pan out exactly like I had it envisioned, but uh, I participate a lot uh, in their direction in hopes of uh, them returning the favor and, uh, you know, coming to uh, participate in our academy. So, so just to be clear, uh, you're intentional about going to, uh, activities of groups that n- don't necessarily support not just your department, but law enforcement in general uh, to get try and gain an understanding of their perspective with the intention of, of building those relationships, but also 
trying to get them to come and, and get a different perspective from your side of the fence and it's not always successful for you uh yeah uh, that's that's my uh, uh brent and i talked about that uh, on on our previous meeting uh that's the main goal here is uh is trying to do that it's just you know like you were talking about it it's nice to visit with people that like you <laughs> you know that's easy <laughs> um but uh if you have uh, a real purpose with your program uh, then you, you've got to put in the time and effort to reach out to people that uh, it's uncomfortable. A lot of times I think people avoid those types of encounters because it makes them uncomfortable. But that's the only way that I, I believe that we're going to ever get to a place of understanding. And that doesn't necessarily mean agreement, but at least an understanding where, where we can recognize that perhaps we have similar goals but uh, different ways that we think that they should be accomplished. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of those uh, things that we've got to overcome, you know, one of the largest obstacles is concern about what our, uh, our peer groups think about us, uh, you know, participating in these other groups activities in order to accomplish that. We're going to have to get over that hurdle. Well, going, going back to the whole hiring thing, um, it can have detrimental effects uh, on our uh, recruiting efforts for employment if there is a distrust between certain groups, because perhaps there's a member of a group who wants to come in and be a part of the change, to be a part uh, of solving community issues. But th- th- they are, there's pressure that's exerted on them not to come and be a part of the law enforcement family. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's a big battle for us. Uh, that's an, another thing, you know, I've discussed uh, several instances with different people and, and uh, the heads of other agencies and so on and so forth. It's, you know, this group wants us to hire um, members of their group. They want uh, those people to represent them within our organization, um, but not the ones they're close to. Right. <laughs> uh, let's get somebody else, um, you know, that talks like me or looks like me, uh, but not really, you know, my group, because I don't, I don't want my people to catch any flack, you know, that are close to me. And we, we got to get past that. But, but you, you know, if, if we're going to be transparent here, we also have that that problem internally. Uh, there was a big uh, survey that was done of active law enforcement officers in the past couple of years that said, hey, if your kid came to you right now and said, I, I, I want to be the police, what would your response to them be? And, and it, there was a majority of current police officers would say, I, I'd say, no, don't do it. And, and again, uh, the police recognize the importance of the police, but uh, somebody else can come and take that risk. I don't want one of my loved ones to be the one. Absolutely. And uh, I've, I've heard officers say that. You know, myself, uh, that's an absolute truth. And uh, it, it just gets down to the bottom of it is, is from both sides, uh, you know, we got to decide, like, uh, you know, do I want to step up and be the one to try to make some change or am I just going to sit over here on the side and be unhappy with the current situation? Am I going to be a problem identifier or am I going to be part of the problem solution? Correct. It's easy to identify a problem. It requires work to be part of the solution. I think what you're doing is uh, fantastic. You're, it's a transparent thing. You're trying to build trust within the community, um, playing devil's advocate here. If you've got members of the community who are um, curious about the program 
and they have a distrust with law enforcement. Uh, maybe they don't want to go to the police department and be surrounded by uh, uh, folks where they're the only person of their race or they're the only woman. How can we combat that? Well, I think this is a fantastic program. Have you looked into um, those types of things? Uh, yeah, one of the things, a couple, actually a couple of things that we try to do to offset that that situation is, is we do, uh, we, we try to recruit and choose a diverse group to start with. Um, this, the group I have right now is, you know, that way I've got, um, I may actually have more women, probably have more women than men in the class I'm currently running right now. So what we try to do is we do a lot of open, you know, we, we take a lot of uh, pictures. Uh, we, you know, these guys are, they're having, they're having a big time, you know, they're, they're interacting, they're doing some stuff they've never done. And uh, uh, we try to take a lot of pictures and uh, put those out there to show other people that, hey, you know, you can be a girl and have fun at this. You can be, a, you know, an older person, a younger person, uh, a person of color, you know, a person of a different ethnicity, you know, whatever. The, the final piece on uh, we have a graduation on the 10th. The 10th night is a graduation ceremony. We have a few fun little contests throughout the thing. We give away some awards. Uh, the group gets to select a, a speaker um, for the group, you know, and they share some funny stories. Most, a lot of the times about ride-alongs, you know, and things like that they encountered. Uh, but at that event, uh, it's not at the police department. We make it a point not to have that event at the police department. Uh, if if weather permits, we have that outdoors at our city park. If it doesn't, we have it in the cafeteria of our, um, our local high school. But at that event, we're outdoors. We're not at the police department. Very few policemen, actually only the ones that are on duty are in uniform. The rest, you know, we're all in regular clothes, dressed like everybody in the class. And uh, everybody involved is encouraged to bring their families, uh, both the students and the officers. So we end up with, uh, you know, 100 folks uh, out in the city park, all dressed alike uh, in regular clothes, just interacting. And then we get to meet their families, uh, which is, you know, another academy recruitment tool. Uh, but it's also, you know, we're encountering them and, and maybe some of those folks that were a little uh, concerned about what their significant other was being a part of or whatever, they get to meet us too. And that's our chance to uh, soften that relationship. And it should be pointed, this is a free program, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We uh, uh, all they got to do is uh, if they want a T-shirt, they got to buy a T-shirt. And uh, we at the, at the graduation night at the end, uh, we do a group photo. Uh, for the whole class and uh, uh, actually we'll have hundreds of pictures and uh, at the end of at the academy we distribute those to all the students so they have those pictures of them doing different activities and uh, so on and so forth we provide a link to all those pictures and this is if i'm not mistaken the 32nd uh, year you've done this correct it is. Uh, it's a 32nd um, session, actually. This program started in 1993 at the Martin Police Department. Uh, former Chief uh, Jackie Moore uh, was here at the time. And actually, uh, um, another former chief, J.D. Sanders, uh, went to the FBI in, a, uh, in 93. And this was one of the uh, community partner tools that he picked up on while he was at the National Academy, came back, shared it with uh, 
Chief Moore at the time, and um, they said, hey, this is something that we should kick off, and it started. Well, the first couple of years, we did a spring and fall session, uh, and then, you know, we figured out how much work that was, and, uh, you know, that was just going to be a little more than we could all handle. Um, so we dropped that down to just the spring session, and that's what we've been doing ever since. We've had about 800 uh, citizens that have gone through the academy thus far. And do you see that your attendance uh, grows over the years as it remains steady? Yes. Uh, I filled up this year in about uh, 12 days. Man, yeah, your recruiting is on the J-O-B if you filled up in 12 days, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking at these these topics, and you have some fantastic topics. You already talked about the SRO program mm-hmm. and the active uh, threat response, but I, I love the fact that you bring uh, in information about the 911 center uh, because that's really oftentimes a hidden, forgotten part of this profession, but in many cases, they're the the first first responders sure. to a lot of these significant events. Yeah, and that's something that's important to us. Um, you know, we're we're happy to share what those people do, and uh, you know. Um, let them meet them as well. And it's a big deal in our area because, uh, like, uh, we're the only municipal agency in our county that maintains a 911 operating center. So, uh, you know, we like to give those people their uh, moments of fame as well. Have you ever had anyone go through the program and come out and say, hey, I want to do this full time? A lot. It's been a great recruiting tool. And uh, even more important than that, um, a lot of the people that we've recruited through the Citizens Police Academy program have been long-term employees. Uh, So it wasn't just a whim. Uh, They turned out to be uh, valuable employees that spent, you know, a, a decent career with us. We weren't expecting that. That was an unexpected benefit. Yeah, uh, you, you give people a, a peek behind the curtain, almost of what's going to be. It's almost like a, a an informal job shadow, and uh, it works out well. So, but some of the other topics you have, you've got uh, DUI enforcement, you've got drug investigations. Uh, you know. Ooh, uh, the the explosives detecting canines. Dogs are always a big crowd pleaser. Uh, You've got criminal investigations and crime scenes. You've got special response team. Uh, They they actually get to tour the jail and they get to go and see a demonstration of a court hearing. You talk about domestic violence and traffic stops, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to make a prediction. okay, Okay, that probably if you were to poll the students, the most popular night of the entire academy happens to be the firing range because what do the students get to do at the firing range itself uh, on that particular week uh they do, we don't meet on thursday night we meet at our outdoor firing range on saturday morning of that week about nine and of course we got to eat again we're you know we're all food oriented around here so we got to have breakfast that day and uh, what happens in is uh the students uh that that want to participate in that can come out and uh for one thing they get to fire every all the weapons at the martin police department have which is fun for a lot of people even if they're an avid shooter uh because uh you know we have a few weapons that are fully automatic most you know, civilians haven't experienced that. And uh, that's something, you know, to experience. Uh, we do a demonstration with uh, our uh, one of our SRT snipers. Um, he takes out a watermelon that 
at a distance with a sniper rifle. They get to see that. Um, our team comes in um, and they do a flashbang, you know, a show there where they weren't, uh, you know, not many people got to see a flashbang. But uh, they do that. And then if they want to bring uh, one of their favorite firearms, uh, they can come out and shoot it too. And we, uh, when they're shooting and setting it all up, we have, uh, they're uh, one-on-one with a firearms instructor. So they can either show us they're already, uh, you know, their current skills, or uh, if they want uh, some one-on-one instruction uh, that's available, you know, at the same time. I'm kind of curious, you've had some success, 32 years, 32 sessions with this. Have you had bigger uh, agencies reach out to you and say, Hey, how can we implement this? You something what you're doing is working. So tell us how we can do this too. Oh yeah, we we have a lot of people, uh, and and we've had a few people that have left us for uh, jobs as head of other agencies uh, nearby, and they they've carried the program with them. And and you know we're we're happy with that. You know that makes us feel good that maybe we were doing something that uh, everybody thought was worthwhile. Um, but we, we have no problem with that at all, but that that's happened pretty frequently. And, and, and uh, Brent, I think it's important here to, to, to kind of circle back because uh, my guess is the most popular day is a firing range, but what the people talk about at graduation is almost always related to the ride along. And it, it, I think it, it goes to that relationship that is built on a personal level during that time. I mean, the calls are fun. They're, they're a lot of fun. They're fun for the officers to go on. But that relationship, that one-on-one talk is what leaves a mark. And that's what this type of program really allows Martin Police and other police departments to do with their community. Yeah, the the whole program, the the schedule, you know, the classroom sessions is designed to uh, give folks an insight to some unanswered questions they may have about procedure or why we do this and why we don't do something like that. And then uh, you take that piece and you work it in with the ride along where they're physically experiencing you know, why when they go to this call, it's handled in this form or whatever. One of the most common uh, issues that we have, and, and I think this is probably a small town issue all across the country, is uh, we get uh, complaints about why two officers come to a traffic stop, two cars, and a, we ride solo patrols here. And, uh, you know, you stopped my grandma and two cops came. You know, why, why is that? You know, it's, it was my grandmother. She's 80 years old. She's not going to hurt anybody. Well, this program explains the fact that, you know, we, that officer has no idea who your grandma is. And, you know, that, that traffic stop is completely, uh, you know, the components of that are unknown to the officer. And, uh, you know, it's just a simple safety factor. And I think when there's, you know, that sounds reasonable during the classroom discussion about traffic stops, but that becomes inherently understandable when they're sitting in that car at two o'clock in the morning and uh, they're watching a lone officer walk up to a car that they have no idea who, how many, or any, you know, intel about the occupants. And I think, uh, you know, the two work together, the ride along versus classroom, uh, to reorient people's mind a little bit about, ah, 
that makes sense to me. Yep, and, and you know, it, it's. I think one of the most valuable things that our profession has lost over the past several years is the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt when it comes to our community. It used to be uh, that when law enforcement did something, the community by and large would give us the benefit of the doubt that we were justified in doing what was done. And if something came out later that we shouldn't, they hold us accountable. But now it seems like uh, the assumption is that that we've overstepped our bounds. And this right here is a, a step. It's a tool for gaining back that benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and like you mentioned earlier that, you know, that's a two way street. You know, we, we've created some of that doubt. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to have to own that and change and add things to our um, uh, department and, and what we're doing uh to bridge that gap back to where we were, you know, we can't just say it's because we're the police. You know, we do it that way because we can't. Uh, you're you're going to have to take some time and explain yourself. Use something, some method like this academy class uh, to explain, uh, you know, how things really work in real life. You know, we're also battling the 30-minute police shows on TV, you know, a little bit about um, procedure and uh, time frames and things like that. And, but you know, all that stuff, you know, it's our responsibility as much as it is the general public's. And uh, it's, it's another one of those things. You you either got to step up, do something like this, get out there and get involved and, and bridge those gaps or, uh, you know, at least quit crying about it. I mean, you know, it's, uh, there's obvious, there's a disconnect um, in, in society right now, you could sit there and do nothing or you could be proactive and you're being proactive and uh, I, I applaud you for that. And I hope more people take advantage of this because context is king to understand why you do certain things will help alleviate a lot of issues, I think. Yeah, and it's even bigger than that because what you're doing is, um, you know, when you show these people who you really are, and, and I'm I'm proud of who we are here at this police department. And when we show people that, and uh, you, you know, you can say stuff all day, but if you you spend time with them, you know, you spend a lot of time with these folks, and they spend a lot of time with us. And at the end, if we can prove to them who we really are, then they become ambassadors for us. And when they hear somebody at the coffee shop complaining about two cops being on a traffic stop, you know, I've I've witnessed it. You know, they're going to explain to them, well, man, here's why you need to take that class they got if you don't understand that. And then you will. You know, that traffic stop stuff is scary. You know, this is why. Well, it's just like uh, Mike said earlier about recruiting with the officer that you hired. Word of mouth is powerful. Uh, way more, you know, and, you know, and now there's so many different avenues that word of mouth gets around, you know, social media, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, it's just huge. And, and uh, you've got to contribute it to uh, what kind of word of mouth you're wanting to, to have in your community. You know, you've got to play your role. Well, well, you know, Chief, it's selfishly from a selfish perspective, the people that serve as mouthpieces on our behalf, they can say things and say things more forcefully than, than, than you or I can. Uh, you know, we're, we're bound by, by rules, uh, but they're not. So, so, so they can be oftentimes more convincing than you, perhaps you or I could be uh, talking about the same subject matter. Exactly. And this is my avenue uh, and the other officers that work here. Th- this is our avenue to uh, decrease their audience. <laughs> 
absolutely. And, and and as we wrap things up here, I, I do think it's important that, that we put a, a word of caution out there for for those in the profession, especially those those young folks coming into the profession. Uh, the Martin Police Department is 32 sessions deep right now trying to build that that trust, that bridge between the community and law enforcement. But unfortunately, all it takes is one bad incident involving a Martin police officer. And, and a lot of that effort, a lot of that trust is gone. We have to constantly guard this profession. We have to constantly be on guard, protecting the, the integrity of our badge, because once it's lost, it becomes more dangerous for everybody. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, if you're going to get involved in a program like this, or you're going to put yourself out in the community, you, you need to be doing the right things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys, so this uh, current session just started up not too long ago, and you said you do it in, in the spring. So if someone's listening or like, hey, and they're around the West Tennessee area or, you know, they're like, I'm interested in this. So how can they uh, find out more? How can they get in the next session? Uh, usually in uh, about uh, the week after the 1st of, of January, we start opening up an application process for the class. Uh, we do quite a bit of advertising on uh, our Facebook page, and it directs you to our uh, website. There's an application on there. Uh, you just fill that out. Uh, it's you know limited information, and uh, that comes directly to me. And uh, we try to sort through there and uh, work out and get uh, get a good diverse group together and uh, in time to start the first Thursday in March. Uh, well, well, Chief, I, I want to thank you for being here today and sharing this. And, and I want to applaud you for, for the, the work that you're doing. Uh, I, I like to like to tell folks, you know what, uh, we may not be able to change the world, but I think we all have the chance to change our world. And the Martin Police Department, I think, is doing work trying to change the world that they, they work in, that they serve, that they live in, and that there's nothing more honorable than that. So thank you for what you do. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you all having on. We're very proud of this program, and uh, we do not mind sharing information about it or you know, with other agencies or with uh, civilians. We just hope we can continue it. And, uh, uh, you know, we got about 10% through, so we got about 90% of the population here in Martin left to go. And so we're still, we're just going to keep on working on it. And we want to be sure for, for those who are listening that, that may be interested in working for a department that has this type of mindset that might, might want to work to be true servants of their community. Uh, we want to be sure that we include on our, our, our webpage, on our episode page, uh, links to the uh, employment site for the Martin Police Department. Uh, if your agency's like most, you're in a, a continual recruitment process. Uh, but it, 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 like the chief said, uh, come be part of the change. Come be part uh, of the solution. And we'll make sure we include that because Martin Police Department is a great place to work. Well, we appreciate that. And I appreciate you saying, listen, we've had a hand in some of the things that are going on, but we've got to be a part of making things better. I appreciate your candor of saying that. I appreciate the fact that you're being proactive and you're trying to make a difference in your community. I think that's uh, such a noble thing to do. Well, uh, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, we look at it as, you know, we're, we're just as big a part of this community as anybody else. And we want it to be positive. 
And uh, so we're just going to keep on trying to work on that. If you guys want to find out more about the uh, Martin Police Department's Citizens Police Academy, we'll have all that information on our website and we'll have uh, links to the Martin PD and all that kind of stuff right there. Uh, Philip, thank you for taking time to talk to us about this. Uh, you know, we had the just informal conversation a couple of weeks ago. And I thought, man, this is a great topic that we can really uh, delve into and one that's timely and we need to discuss. Well, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, we're very proud of it. and Don't mind talking about it. <laughs>